Hello, gentle listeners, and welcome back to Happy Hour of Victabulous. This is her husband filling in for Victoria, Victor. Uh, how y'all doing? <laughs> welcome back. Today's movie, uh, I'm going to pick one that I I enjoyed, and thinking back on it, it's it's definitely unique on its own principles, except the fact that I absolutely despise it. Uh, this movie literally broke my heart when I discovered that uh, Hollywood takes things that I you know really enjoy and just completely bastardizes it you know it's it's like that old saying how the book is better but this is like the hardest instance I can think of um, I went in expecting one thing and got something else entirely and left like so just devastated not understanding you know why they chose these chose these characters why they chose this storyline all this stuff but you know, reflecting on it today, just doing my homework and stuff, it's it can stand alone. You know, I, I, I might have judged it too harshly at first. So, you know, hoping as I go through this review of uh, said movie in question, it'll help me kind of understand and maybe make peace with, uh, with the travesty that I originally observed uh, to we're going to be discussing 2002 Resident Evil. Um, I've been a huge fan of the game series, and like I said, uh, I had one idea of this movie when I went to see it, and unfortunately, it did not meet my standards, so I've been, you know, developing a lingering animosity towards this franchise, and with every single movie that's come out, it's just got, you know, <laughs> like that saying, every day we fur- uh, stray further away from God, and it's works. <laughs> So we can't be too harsh on uh, on poor Paul Anderson, um, the director of this film, whose uh, whose works you might recognize as uh, this, you know, Resident Evil. But he was also the director of Alien vs Predator, uh, Event Horizon, the movie Soldier, um, Death Race, uh, Resident Evil Afterlife, uh, Resident Evil Retribution, the movie Pompeii, you know, a couple other. Uh, you you kind of get a sensation of this guy, and most importantly, if those you know movies didn't really seem to resonate with you, then uh, how about he's the guy who directed Mortal Kombat, <laughs> everyone's favorite uh, video game hit from 1995. So maybe that's why they brought you know Paul Anderson back here for this. So thank you, Paul, for your uh, your contributions to the uh, <laughs> to the zeitgeist itself. Uh, I digress. Resident Evil, again, 2002, uh, stars Mila Djokovic, Michelle Rodriguez, Ryan McCluskey, Eric Mabus, Colin Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, so I'm not completely crazy, and a couple others. Um, again, I don't have Victoria's magic eye for you know recognizing actors and stuff so forgive me if i'm not pointing out someone you're like well what about that guy he's you know he went on to be someone famous right so my apologies so what is resident evil uh just a quick summary for those who haven't you know haven't living under a rock since 2003 uh it's a movie about a special military unit uh, that fights a powerful out of control supercomputer and hundreds of scientists who have mutated into flesh-eating creatures after a laboratory accident. So, that being said, that brief like summary of this movie, that can live within the Resident Evil universe. And that's like the worst part of it. Like I, I was like I said, doing my homework and kind of thinking about it. If the like if this series didn't become a franchise and like have to, you know, produce a move like new movie year after year, it I think that would have been fine. You know, I, I would have been perfectly okay with it. Like I I would have came to terms with it. Except after the sequel, when they introduced a lot of characters that were in the video game and they like deviated 100% from like the, the story that the video game did, that's when I was just just done with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I, I didn't enjoy the second movie, which I did. You know, I, I can't lie. But, you know, after the third one, when it's like the Eclipse and, you know, it, I it, <laughs> uh, which is ironic because the video games, I, again... They hold a very special place in my heart. Like the the first video game I played was the original Resident Evil, which um, I had my brother play because I was too scared to play it, and I was there playing co-pilot with like the video game guide. So, you know, we 
take a second, we pause, we read the guide. I, you know, kind of map out, okay, well, you got to go to the laboratory here and then you got to get the key that's in the corner there, but you got to look out because there's going to be a monster in the room that you got to, you know, move fast to get around. And I think it was just that special bonding moment that kind of solidifies, you know, the video game franchise in my heart. So, uh, Again, the video game takes a special place, you know, in who I am, or at least I like to think so. So that being said, like, in my opinion, the first, we're going to say four games, which includes, like, Resident Evil Zero, which is a prequel to Resident Evil 3, are, like, the, you know, the bee's knees, like, the best possible story that you can hear, like, out of this video game. Because after that, you know, you get into, like, four, five, and six... It, it kind of becomes its own monstrosity on its own. And then they started coming back with the seventh game, which it's like a first person, you know, like you're playing as this character video game. So as opposed to like the over the shoulder, you're, you know, you're seeing this nightmare through this character's eyes and coming out with like the eighth video game, I believe this year, uh, which, <laughs> which the internet's going crazy over the new villain, which is like an eight foot tall, uh, vampires who like the internet has completely fallen in love with like if you just google resident evil right now you're probably going to see like a hundred pictures of uh like the titular villain alicina dimitrius uh d-i-m-i-t-r-e-s-c-u dimitrisio uh yeah but again the internet's kind of blown up because you know she's a literal giant she's supposed to be like nine foot six um you know she's very well dressed uh buxom <laughs> uh which is already a win for you know the internet there but the fact that she you know has this monster claw that she can transform and uh you know the internet's full of pervs everyone like wants this giant woman to step on her and do terrible terrible things to them but hey that's the internet if you didn't know it was a bad place you know i'm sorry to tell you but surprise so personal perversions aside, uh, I just need a guy. Uh, <laughs> oof. Um, I need to um, let you know that this episode is being fueled by my own variation of the T virus. That's the uh, the blue liquid that you'll see in this movie here, which turns out to be the uh, the chemical compound which creates the zombies in this movie. But uh, it's my own variation, so I went with like three parts of we're gonna say Sierra Mist or like a light you know, white soda, you can do Sprite or 7-Up. Um, I did a about an ounce of blue Curacao and also um, about an ounce and a half of vodka just to really get it home. Uh, take a nice sip. One sec. Ah, there we go. That's the spot. So, you know, now with, uh, with the virus now circulating in my system, uh, you're going to start hearing my voice... Uh, change you're gonna start hearing more us and ers as the we're gonna just say the virus takes hold but you and i both know it's just the liquor starting to really hammer it home so let's not tarry a moment longer and let's get this review started three two one play that sweet music in the opening shot a voice over uh voiceover narrator explains that in the early 21st century the umbrella corporation is the leading company in the world currently nine out of ten homes own products from them but what the public doesn't know is that umbrella corporation really makes weapons for armor uh, for armies militaries and etc and also creates viral chemicals for biological and chemical warfare and that there is the Hive, which is a secret umbrella laboratory half a mile underneath Raccoon City, where over 500 people live and work for the Umbrella Corporation. So they did that right. Like in the video games, you know, in, in the very first game, you're not really introduced to Umbrella until like, you know, the surprise plot twist at the end. And, you know, you kind of discover that, hey, wait a minute, they're the bad guys? They're everywhere. They're bigger than Amazon you know kind of a situation going on there but uh like i said they did that right umbrella is supposed to be this giant like corporation um like i said they they do pharmaceuticals is mostly their like their bag um but in secret they create things called bow's which are bioorganic weapons um 
you know, they do a bunch of like war technologies and all that other stuff. So they at least got this part right. You know, I, I can't really argue there. And the fact that they mentioned that there is a secret lab that's a half a mile underneath Raccoon City, that's true to the game. Um, which uh, I need to point out that, like, you don't visit that in the first game. You're off in the woods, like deep in the mountains where the virus kind of first broke out. So that's... Uh, they're kind of stretching here, but like I said, the movie, it can take place in the Resident Evil universe, so I, I can't really complain this far in just yet. Moving on. A man in a protective suit handles a blue-tinted T-virus. Hey! There we go. And it's green-tinted antidote using mechanical arms, so, you know, the whole, like, uh, plutonium or uranium handling devices or, like, a you know, something you kind of see in, like, a NICU. I mean, maybe not with, like, a robotic arm handling babies and stuff. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, but you see that he puts all them in a locked suitcase, uh, except for one of the T-viruses, which he throws and breaks. So, obviously, he's setting up sabotage, but anyone who's not familiar with the series has no idea what's going on. Just some guy broke some weird glass thing. Uh, the virus begins to seep out of the vents. And we cut to a man drinking coffee, and another man whose face is unseen bumps into him and then knocks the coffee all over him, which is important for later. Uh, the man whose face you don't see uh, gets into an elevator with some other people. Er, my bad, my notes got a little mixed up here. Uh, it's not the guy with the coffee who got spilled on him who, get, uh, who gets completely ignored. It's, it's the man who's not seen does not get in the elevator. Like, he's getting off of the elevator. When the guy who, you know, has the coffee spilled on him uh, gets into the elevator with some other people. It cuts to some people working in the lab where the virus uh, has broken. The bioemergency alarm goes off. Everyone thinks it's a drill, but then the emergency water comes on, you know, and it starts flooding the lab. Uh, so, like, quite literally, like, the, the fire sprinklers come on and as, like, a containment protocol, they flood the labs, which that's that's a terrible idea i mean you know it's you always figure like if it is some kind of biological weapon you gotta like just completely destroy it right so you'd figure they have like a i don't know some kind of like explosive or, or some kind of like uh pyrotechnical device that would just melt everything in the lab but then again we're talking about umbrella some horrible like super secret conglomeration who's kind of number one protocol is like hey if it works let's save it for later and figure out if we can use it somewhere else so yeah that, that's uh that's umbrella in a nutshell uh so in the lab they try to stop uh they try to stop the uh, emergency alarm that's going off they start screaming at the camera to make it stop which all the cameras uh, are shown a lot through the movie and are being controlled by the supercomputer who's running the show there which they refer to as the red queen the doors are all locked the uh, then a gas comes on in the offices which starts making everyone pass out uh, during this the elevator mentioned earlier has stopped and starts falling it stops at level three uh, one lady tries to get off the elevator and uh the elevator drops before like it you know almost hits her head but uh the others try to pull her back in and suddenly the, the elevator goes back up the other way and you know cuts her head off so it's like oh that's what kind of movie we're in for right well yes and no but uh cut immediately to uh the next shot which is a young woman named alice played by mila Djokovic, wakes up in the shower so woo nudes apparently she's also suffered a case of amnesia she walks out of her bedroom and looks in her drawers, and at the third one, she's surprised to find a gun locked up, uh, which is important for later. She does not know where she is, but she walks into a hall and finds a picture of herself with a man. She sees movement and walks out and calls out into the darkness, but suddenly birds fly out of a tree, and the wind picks up. Suddenly, there's like a helicopter, bright lights, and she's pulled inside by someone and SWAT officers jump through the windows. Uh, one of them, played by, uh, I'm sorry, played by Colin Salmon, who's James, and another one known as One, who's the leader. Uh, they grab Alice and tell him who they are. Uh, then another officer, played by Mil uh, Michelle Rodriguez, which is Rain, is her call sign, uh, 
apprehends uh, another man who's there named Matt, played by Eric Mavis, who tells them that he's a cop. Yet another fork in the road, because uh, after this, when they go downstairs to like an underground warehouse underneath the mansion, they find like a railroad track, which, uh, which like a, a parked train on it. And uh, here's kind of where things start splitting up because now they're implying that like this mansion is an entrance to the facilities underground to like maybe the hive, uh, which again is, is supposed to be this uh, secret laboratory that Umbrella has underneath Raccoon City. Cut back to, like I said, my, how do I put it, like my <laughs> animosity or at least analysis of this movie, which it's far from the original video game because again the video game takes place in a mansion that's like deep in the woods uh miles away from raccoon city which uh it's supposed to be like some kind of midwestern town which they never really specify where exactly but they always say like a midwestern town and like the mountain range known as the arkali mountains uh this mansion itself is known as like the spencer mansion which i can go on like for probably an hour and a half just uh like the lore and history of resident evil here but the spencer mansion again it, it is owned by uh, umbrella there is like a secret research facility but it's more more like your old school kind of spooky haunted house versus like a modern high-tech facility this is definitely like a place that you know it's it's made to be inconspicuous so you know, there's no, like, laser security fences or nothing. It's just, like, a mansion out in the middle of the woods. That uh, some security team, which is known as STARS, uh, Special Tactics and Rescues. Uh, squad, that is. There's an S. <laughs> uh, they're trying to find, like, a... Because there's an Alpha team and a Bravo team. Uh, Bravo team was sent out to investigate something, which they never responded to. So Alpha team goes out looking for Bravo team. They get chased by some zombie dogs into, like, this, uh, again, this mansion that's out in the woods, which that's where the video game takes place. And that's when you discover, you know, Umbrella's behind all this stuff, and blah, blah, blah. But I digress. Uh, back to, you know, this movie that I'm supposed to be talking about. They get onto the uh, the train here. Uh, Alice asks, asks James who they are and why they're here. James says is that they're a team sent to destroy the Red Queen. Again, the, the supercomputer in the Hive, which is an underground facility home to 500 scientists. So with this kind of knowledge, like I'm led to believe that this squad here is sent by Umbrella to take care of business. So, you know, to keep everything on the hush-hush, just to do like a clean and sweep to make sure the facility is okay to run again. So here it sounds like the goal is that they're going to go to the Hive and, you know, deactivate the Red Queen so they can get things back you know running again unaware of that the virus has you know sinister or uh necromantic repercussions so yeah james tells alice that she has been uh one of the three security guards to the facility which again important for later um but uh once more <laughs> oof this t-virus is already taken over i can feel my brain slipping uh so again, uh, these these people show up. Like I said, I I can only assume they work for Umbrella, but they're aware that five hours ago a virus spread through the facility, you know, killing everyone in it. Um, they find the train uh, that's not working, so Rain goes under to fix it, and while she's working on it, she hears some noises. It turns out to be one of the officers above who scares her. Uh, then she turns on the electricity. They go onto the train. Rain's trying to close the doors. Another officer, Kaplan, uh, tries to close it, but then a man, um, played by James Purefoy, uh, falls through after hiding in a compartment. Alice sees him and remembers that he was the man in the picture from earlier. He also has no memory. So, kind of suspicious that this random man is down there. But, uh, yeah, I digress. <laughs> To which I need to point out, there's a trope that these Resident Evil games have that uh, I'll you know bring back here in a minute. But 
yeah, it's just the they have a habit of introducing characters um, just for like the briefest of moments before they're like brutally killed. It's like, hey, yeah, you meet a locksmith. I'm a locksmith. I can open that door. Here, let me do it. And then as soon as they open the door, you know, bah, they're dead. So riding the train down, they arrive at the hive. The group batters down the locked doors and tries to find uh, the Red Queen's chambers. They pass through a hall where the glass is on one side. On the other side is a flooded facility. And suddenly a dead woman floats forward. Ooh, spooky. Alice asks how long how long Victor will not be able to speak for. I uh, just kid. How long the amnesia will last. James says it's caused by the gas that was released when the virus spread. And it should last for maybe an hour. Hmm. So I think that's about like the length of the movie <laughs> that's left at this point. Uh I mean, maybe longer if I keep pausing for like, well, that wasn't in the video game. You see, it was like this. But, you know, I'll, I'll try to keep that to a minimum, especially because, like I said, this movie can work. I just got to give it, you know, the the due credit it deserves. After they leave, uh, like the room, um, that same dead girl that's floating there opens her eyes and hits the windows with her hand. Boom! Jump scare. Did I get you? No? Damn it. Anyways. Alice and the group wanders into a giant room where one of the doors leads to the Red Queen's chambers. Alice looks through the windows, uh, window into the door to see if there's anything in there. There is, but she doesn't know it. And it turns out to be a giant monster. What's a spoiler? Why do I write that? Alice, Kaplan, another man, Dana, quote unquote, one of the two female officers, unquote, and James enter the Red Queen's chambers. Kaplan turns on the energy to the chambers. Dana, James, and the other man go into the smaller room. Kaplan finds a code and opens the door. Suddenly, the entrance to the cube room closes. So, again, if if you've seen this movie, this is probably like one of the highlights that you'll remember here. But uh, they scream for Kaplan to open the door, and a laser appears and quickly moves along the room from one side to the other towards them. James ducks, but laser takes off the other man's fingers. Dana, unfortunately, gets her head lasered off. It's... I don't even know how to describe it. It's that trope of, like, it passes through, and then, you know, she's fine for, like, the briefest of seconds, and then it's like her brain realizes she's dead, and, you know, the blood starts running, and half her head falls off. Like, oh, my God. But... I mean, this movie's, again, 2002, so you get that, like, just that Arrow movie. <laughs> I, uh, like, I say that, and then I start trying to think, you know, were, were all those movies of that time period just like that? But then I start thinking, like, you know, 1999, there was House on Haunted Hill. Uh, there was, like, Ghost Ship also in 2002. Um, Doom in 2000. Sorry, Doom in 2005, um, 13 Ghosts in 2001. Just all, all that same kind of vibe of just like heavy metal and gore. You know, at least they're like their attempt to be, you know, violent in that degree. Which as so like as a 14 year old, this was hitting every single button that like I wanted to see in movies. I mean, there's, you know. Mila Jokovic is like naked at the beginning so I'm like yeah side boob and zombies and guns and violence you know <laughs> like at the time like looking back if I didn't like this movie I, I don't know what was wrong with me but then again I like I said my heart was broken having played like the video game and not seeing that this adaptation was you know true to the game but I do need to point out they're doing a remake, and you're supposed to come out in you know 2021. I don't know if it's supposed to be a full reboot or if they're just gonna. <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do. So I'm holding my breath. You know, I'm hoping they do something good, especially with how a lot of adaptations now have either been like perfect or just god awful. So slip the coin. I I. God damn it, T-Virus is making me burp. I'm sorry. Uh, I digress. Back to it. 
So, uh, once more, poor Dana gets, you know, decapitated. Or at least, uh, I think her head gets, like, cut open, right? Like, around the eyes or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, again, laser goes, like, volley after volley and offs people one at one. You know, one off <laughs> offs people one by one. Like, one man is cut in half. When uh, another laser comes, uh, James thinks, like, he has it worked out. And he manages to dodge it, dodge the laser that is, but like it splits into a, like a grid and there's just a look on his face like, ah, crap. And it's just when uh, Kaplan screams that he's override the defense system, James like falls apart like, uh, like some kind of cubed um, 3D sculpture, but yeah, he just falls apart into a bunch of little bricks. Which, again, 14-year-old me is like, yeah, that's awesome! But, I digress. Alice and Kaplan go in the door, uh, in through the end door. They turn on the system, and the hologram of a little girl appears. And she tells them, you're all going to die down here. If you remember that wonderful uh, line from the credits. Or the, uh, the trailer, rather. Rain hears a noise, and finds a woman... Uh, that looks helpless, but then lunges forward and bites Rain's hand. The other man, JD, walks over and shoots her in the leg. The, uh, the other woman, not Rain, that is. Uh, but she doesn't stop. Rain then, you know, turns around and just, like, uh, blasts her with her machine gun. Which, uh, you know, more gratuitous violence. So, back to what I was saying earlier, but, like, again, in the Resident Evil video games... NPCs, which are non-player characters, so again, anyone not you, like especially if you kind of stumble into like a puzzle area or something along those lines, there's usually an NPC that'll help out to some degree. You know, you might be too big to fit into like a, a vent, but you happen to stumble across like some you know skinny guy who's like familiar with the place, and he'll crawl through get the key or whatever you need, like, hand it to you, or at least get into, like, somewhere you can reach it before immediately getting off, like I said, by a monster who just crashes through the window or has been in the room the whole time, you know, but that's usually the fate, like, uh, most NPCs are considered, like, fodder or just, like, there to be killed by, you know, some monster they're about to introduce. But, uh, yeah, back to the movies. Um, so, again, Rain shoots the woman who bit her hand, and they hear, like, a weird noise of, like, metal being dragged on the ground. And it shows it's a zombie who's dragging an axe. And uh, in particular, I need to point out that this uh, this actor um, is actually able to, like, how do I, what's the word here? Um, dislocate his foot. And he's literally dragging his foot on his side like it's, you know, horrible injury. Which it's kind of, like, disturbing that a human can physically do that and still be perfectly fine. But, yeah, it's it's disturbing to watch. But he's, you know, walking on, like, essentially is, like, I don't even know what, what that's considered, but the nub of his foot. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, you know, they hear the metal dragging and whatnot, and it shows that zombies begin to show up everywhere. Um, a bunch of blood-covered zombies come out uh, from all directions and surround everyone, uh, including Spencer, who is the man in the picture. Uh, Kaplan, Rain, and JD are surrounded, uh, that is, by the zombies here. Matt is trying to uncuff himself while everyone begins shooting. Uh, a zombie comes at Matt, but is shot by Alice. They then split up. Kaplan is dry trying to open a door using passcode while Spencer is rushing him. Soon, JD kills a zombie, then moves the Kaplan out of the way to get to the door while failing to remember the number for the code Kaplan manages to get it right and JD successfully unlocks the code when the door opens zombies rush through and JD is caught you know just that whole like yeah we're free let's go oh no more zombies get them <laughs> uh, then the door opens uh, again zombies rush through he's grabbed sorry my, I keep looking at my notes and I, uh, like I said, this T-virus is actually sneaking up on me, and who knows, I might start saying weird things like uh, itchy for tasty, which 
It's a line from the video game. So, shout out to my nerds who know that. So the door opens up, zombies rush through, JD's caught, and while Rain tries to pull him back, uh, she's bitten again on the arm. So poor uh, Michelle Rodriguez just keeps getting munched on. <laughs> Which I think at that time, I, I want to say I was developing crushes on celebrities, but yeah, you know, first of all, Mila Djokovic is like, naked at the beginning of this movie which totally awesome and as a 14 year old like i'm in love immediately with you know any naked chick but uh michelle Rodriguez, always that tough chick which you know i don't know maybe that's that's where i started seeing that in victoria and i fell in love but yeah that's uh another one of the crushes then but kind of after that pittered out i don't really know what happened <laughs> all right getting uh sidetracked here with you know the desires of the heart but so again, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character is bit, and they are unsuccessful uh, trying to get JD away and escaping, you know, the hordes. So they go back to the Red Queen's chamber while JD passes away from his uh, injuries. And by injuries, I mean you know just being mauled to death by zombies. <laughs> Let's not you know make light of the situation here. Um, Again, you know, I got to branch out here. Like, the whole scary thing about, like, the first Resident Evil video game is that there wasn't a bunch of zombies. There was just a few in, like, very tight quarters. You know, like, uh, I mean, just imagine, like, uh, having a, you know, fight a zombie in your own house. So you don't really have, like, the largest uh, space to get around or, or move them. So you're, you know, forced to engage or, you know, run as best you can. But, you know, in the circumstances, yeah, they have the whole, like, looks like 400 zombies here <laughs> from the staff just all beating this one poor guy. Cut back to Alice, who is seen wandering through a room. She notices there's a bunch of cages with holes in them, like a kennel. Like, uh, you know, those holes seem like something broke through them. She stops when she hears a noise. She looks and sees a zombie dog with... Like, most of its flesh gone from its face. Uh, it chases her. She runs into a room where, like, where there is another zombie. She punches him a few times, and then Kung Fu kicks him. Uh, yeah, this, again, another kind of stretch here. Um, I mean, sure, you know, supposedly she's supposed to be some kind of a umbrella special operative, but, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was me being a 14-year-old sexist or, like, a misogynist, but, like, I saw it and I was like, yeah, would she be able to do that? Like, why would she try to kick a zombie? Like, wouldn't that just make it mad? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, digress here because she wonders how she did it, and then she remembered that James had told her about being a security guard. She's been trained in martial arts. Oh, I guess that makes sense, right? Then a dog jumps through the window. Uh, she runs into the room and locks the door. Then she turns around and finds about five or six more zombie dogs. <laughs> uh, they run at her. Uh, she starts shooting with her gun. She stole from the zombie scientist. Then another one, hiding in a cabinet, jumps at her. Steps on a box, pushes herself off the wall, and kicks the zombie. Uh, kicks the dog in the face, that is. Um, so... That's that's kind of another part for the video games, which adds to the menace of everything, because, uh, like I said, there's two teams. There's Bravo Team, and there's Alpha Team. Uh, again, you're playing as Alpha Team, who gets forced into this mansion because there's a bunch of zombie dogs out in the woods. And that's kind of the whole thing. It's dark, you know, they're, they're moving too fast to really shoot. There's no good way to hit them, and, you know, the dogs are on them before they can do anything. So... I mean, they at least got that right. Like, they're, you know, supposed to be Dobermans, and I mean, short of a German Shepherd, there's no other scary dog. I mean, maybe a Mastiff. <laughs> That's pretty fucking scary, too, right? Uh, I digress. Uh, then we see Matt, who's wandering through some offices. He goes to one of the cubicles and finds Dr. Lisa, who has been shown earlier on the elevator. Then suddenly a zombie hits the window and scares Matt. Boo! Another jump scare. No? Alright, moving on. Then it cuts to the big room where all the zombies are being, uh, where all the zombies have been. The door that Alice has been observing is now knocked down. 
and a giant ugly monster jumps through. Uh, so yeah, they didn't really paint this thing, you know, how they should have. But this is a liquor, if I remember correctly, uh, at least in the movie. Jeez, uh, uh, it's like some kind of slimy creature that looks like a cross between a human um, and some kind of like quadrupedal lizard. Is it's uh, true to its name? It has a massive tongue and like its skin is kind of peeled back to like a membrane. Uh, so you can see its brain, but like no eyes, no, you know, real ears or anything like that to the degree. It's just a like blind, uh, <laughs> kind of losing steam here. Sorry. Which, uh, again, in the video games, these creatures, they can only like hear you or like feel vibrations. So, you know, if you move very slowly or you don't make any noises, you're fine, bro. These things like we'll leave you alone but uh you know i digress big claws giant tongue looks like their skin's been peeled off but yeah quadrupedal climbs on walls spooky kind of thing <laughs> but uh, uh matt's still observing the cube when he hears someone he looks and sees lisa who's uh heike makasa jeez h-e-i-k-e M A K A T S C H. Catch it. Catched. <laughs> oh boy. Um, who looks innocent until he gets close? Turns out, surprise, actually a zombie. Uh, she then tries to bite him until Alice stabs Lisa in the back of the neck. Alice has uh, a flashback of talking to Lisa about infiltrating the Umbrella Corporation and getting the virus to show the press. Then we hear Matt, who says Lisa was his sister. Then he says that one of the workers who tried to get Lisa into the building, which was Alice, uh, betrayed her, which that's not true. Um, which is ironic that they chose the name Lisa here, because in the first video game, um, they have this creature known as Lisa Trevor, which uh, it's this gangly, like long-limbed um kind of which I can only as like living out in the woods uh, except she's also a kind of a monster in her own right because um, she wears like the like a skin pelt over her head which you later find out is actually like her mother's face <laughs> sewn into like a skin hide and um, she's just kind of like been uh, what's what's the word um, mentally like degenerated into more of a monster and she goes around like the the mansion itself just this menacing creature that's uh trying to kill you throughout the game and uh yeah it's an interesting name there but uh yeah lisa trevor so uh, i don't want to go too far into it because like i said I'll, I'll go down this rabbit hole and be like well lisa trevor was the daughter of uh john and cynthia trevor which i don't remember the actual names here but uh, yeah, they basically just got experimented on. And, uh, yeah. Sucks for them. <laughs> Everyone is barricaded in the control room. Matt and Alice come in with a bunch of zombies following them. They can't escape, so they end up going back to the Red Queen's room where they ask the hologram how to escape. The hologram of the little girl, which uh, the Red Queen chooses as her avatar there, appears to tell them about the T-Virus and how she was forced to lock up the facility to prevent the virus from escaping and contaminating the rest of the world's population. The T-Virus was designed in the Umbrella Corporation's lab in the hive as an experiment to prolong life, except the virus mutated and all the people that were trapped in the underground facility when the bioscanners went off died and are zombies who now feed on the flesh of the living to survive. Uh, anyone who is bit or scratched by the zombies uh, will become one as well. She explains this, and the camera's cut off. Excuse me, they cut off to <laughs> the deceased uh, JD, which surprisingly isn't like just a pile of torn up flesh and bones, uh, reanimates. Um, Rain has already been bitten, like, more than once, and Alice asks how uh, can they get away. The Red Queen agrees to help them. Uh, they go over to uh, the corner 
and fight a sewer entrance. They go down, but then a bunch of zombies appear and attack them from both directions. Everyone climbs to the top of the pipes, but in the process, Kaplan is bit on the leg while Rain gets bitten again on both of her arms. So poor girl's been bitten four times at this point. So, you know, if she doesn't turn into a zombie, there's, there's no justice there. She finds her gun and shocked when she points it at the reanimated JD. She hesitates to shoot, but when uh, she says his name, he comes close to her and bites her neck. So that's five. I've <laughs> bitten five times in this movie. I forgot that. Jesus, that's excessive. Some zombies nearby attack her, but then she breaks free. And a zombified JD attempts to attack again, which Rain promptly puts him down by shooting him in the head. Okay, so the T-Virus. Um, totally different uh, different in the video game. Uh, the T-Virus comes from like a different thing, which, again, not going to go into. But uh, the whole plan of the T-Virus was to make a super soldier. So think like like uh, the, I'm sorry, the, uh, <laughs> the T-Virus is supposed to be like a serum that creates super soldiers. So think like the stuff that was used to create Captain America. I have no idea why that was so hard to get out. Maybe my brain is starting to slip and itchy for tasty. Ooh. Um. But uh, again, in the video games, it was made to make a super soldier, except their issue was, yes, like, I think it was like one out of every hundred people, in fact, did become a super soldier. But like, you know, at, at the cost that, you know, those 99 other people would, in fact, turn into zombies. <laughs> so it's it's that whole risk versus reward. But since Umbrella, they're like, you know what, let's uh, let, let's see what this can do. So. In the video games, it's not explained how it happens, but it happens. And there is, yes, a leak in the facility, except there's no supercomputer to put everybody down. So just everyone in the facility is exposed to it, and they don't realize how bad it is until it's, like, too late. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the, you know, the video game version of it. But cutting back, uh, so, again, Rain just shot JD in the head. They attempt to get to the other side except for Kaplan. The pipe breaks and Kaplan falls but gets up in time. He tells them to leave. He puts a gun to his mouth. Shows, uh, yeah, puts a gun in his mouth. So It shows Alice and we hear the gunshot. Turns out Kaplan had shot a zombie instead and he goes around the center of the pipe standing vertically. Alice, then the sickly, uh, ugh, Alice, the sickly rain, Spencer, and Matt are walking through some of the corridors when Alice imagines people walking through, and she imagines the labs. She's looking through the windows, and it shows the scientists injecting the T-virus into a rabbit, and then they inject it with some green liquid. Uh, liquid. So she suddenly like, recalls that, hey, there's a cure, and she tells Rain, who now is like turning deathly pale and can barely walk, so it's like the virus is starting to take over. Um, I mean, they at least got that right. Like the, it's not like an instantaneous transformation. It's, it's a slow, like your, your body's trying to kill a fever, but it, it just winds up cooking your insides out and you die. That's when the T-virus itself reanimates you and you know, you become a zombie. Neat, right? Science bitches. So with that Senate flashback, they go to where the lab is, where they're supposed to have the antivirus, which it's flooded and Alice goes to where the vaccines should have been, but they're gone. Huh. Then Spencer, in a flashback, it shows him overhearing Alice talking with Lisa about stealing the sample of a T-virus to go public with Umbrella Corporation's nefarious plans. Spencer decides, uh, decides to destroy the hive before anything can be made public. Spencer is seen operating a machine handling the virus then shows him throwing the T-virus, deliberately infecting the facility. Then it shows him hurrying to walk out. He was the man in the opening shot who stole the T-virus and was the one who bumped the man holding the coffee, knocking it all over him. And he got out via the train. He had been hiding in the train the whole time until JD opened the door and he fell through. Alice uh, realizes it had been him and dies for the gun, but not for Spencer. 
he points it at Matt, not knowing that there is a zombie behind him, which the zombie bites him. He then shoots the zombie. He goes out the door. They think he is going to get away, but when the turn, uh, but when the TV shows on, uh, turns on, showing the Red Queen, who says that it's not true, and that I've been a bad girl. Cut to Spencer, who's uh, now walking towards the train, um, heading back to like where he hid the vaccines, and he's about to inject himself with some, uh, and he hears something, and he looks up the ceiling where we see um, the second or I'm sorry, where we see a few seconds of the giant monster, which is, again, the liquor, uh, and is seen crawling along the ceiling. He looks up towards it and says, Oh my god, in a shock, before the liquor drops to the ground. And in a panic, Spencer attempts to flee, only to be quickly mauled and killed by the liquor. So again, folks, if you run into a liquor, uh, you just gotta stay quiet. Don't move. And, you know... It'll pass. It'll leave me alone. You just, you know, don't make noise. <laughs> You're perfectly okay. Back in the flooded lab, the Red Queen tells Alice that there is an order, uh, that in order to open, uh, to get the code to open the door, she must kill Rain, who is infected and dying. Rain says, okay, <laughs> and tells Alice to kill her and gives her a fire axe that she takes from the wall. She keeps t telling Alice to kill her and... It looks like she's going to uh, until she hits the screen instead. And, you know, with that loud noise, there's a liquor that jumps through the glass and uh, and it cracks it. Or jumps against the glass and cracks it. Uh, it does it a few more times before it disappears, like giving up. And then Kaplan, thought dead, comes through the door. They're all happy until the liquor comes back. Uh, liquor, L-I-C-K-E-R, not L-I-Q. You are like me, which uh, I keep keep uh, losing my train of thought. <laughs> awesome. This movie's getting better as I remember it, right? That's the magic of liquor. And liquors. They go out where they make it to the train, and Alice finds the vaccines, but not before the zombified Spencer awakens. After mocking him with a, I'm missing you already, Alice kills him by bashing uh, on his head with the axe. She then abandons her wedding ring and leaves it on the train. Yeah, take that, ex-husband. Were they even married at all? Could just be a whole thing umbrella cooked together just to, you know, let people think that this rich couple is just living in the hill by himself or out in the woods, wherever the hell they are. They don't really show the outside of the mansion. It's just uh, some random place out in the boonies. So having escaped the hive as Kaplan drives the train back to the mansion... They inject the vaccine into Rain, who sits there talking. Alice, uh, telling Alice she'll know what to do when the time comes. Her head falls limp, and Alice is about to shoot her, and she wakens, and she says, like, I'm not dead yet. Then some claws scratch through the metal, scratching Matt's arm. They look to where, uh, sorry, they look to where they should shoot. Then the door busts open in the cockpit. And uh, Kaplan perishes after the liquor pulls him out. The liquor bursts through the train and tries to kill Alice, who shoots it in the head, but the liquor keeps coming and wraps its tongue around her leg, which she stabs. She tells Matt to knock it out of the train when Rain awakens and transformed into a zombie. So they wasted the vaccine on someone who's already becoming a zombie? I mean, I guess at a certain point, you know, there's no saving nobody. And But what would happen if you injected the vaccine into someone who's already fully a zombie? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have anyone to discuss this with, with me at this moment. So we're just going to go ahead and leave it like that. The zombified rain lands. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, zombified rain awaits. The transformation is complete. She tries the mat, but uh, who then shoots her in the head, killing her putting her down finally <laughs> like after all this pain and suffering she's finally dead uh the zombie rain lands on a button which pushes open the floor uh where the liquor is standing on the liquor drops out and gets squashed by the train where it is uh burned into death burned to death that is i, I don't remember how that happens but like uh you know <laughs> Alice then shuts the floor doors, which cuts off the liquor's tongue, finally killing it for good. Or will it? 
Uh, Matt and Alice get out just in time before the emergency door is shut. Oh, I forgot that whole subplot. So, <laughs> I mean, way to come in at last minute. But um, there's like an emergency lockdown protocol for like the hive in case there was an accident like that to where it was going to seal the hive permanently so nothing can get out. So, you know, safety measure. Um, but again, Matt and Alice escape just before the emergency door closes. So they're, you know, temporarily safe, at least for the time. Matt tells Alice that the vaccine, uh, Matt tells Alice that with the vaccine and the T-virus sample, they can make public about what Umbrella's corporation has been doing. When he drops to the floor, complaining about his arm, suddenly a bunch of uh, protective clothes scientists burst through, burst through the door. They take Matt away and say they're going to put him into the Nemesis program when they see that he is infected and his scratching wound begins to like pulsate or his scratch wound from the liquor itself that is uh, begins to pulsate when they see that he is infected and uh, his arm begins to pulsate reading the same thing over I apologize they then uh, take Alice when they hear them ordering her back to quarantine to check uh, for the t-virus And kind of as things start going in and out, uh, we hear them say that they're going to open the hive back up to see what went on down there. So, oh boy, they didn't learn the first time, right? Alice wakes up in a white room with cords sticking her arms and head. She rips them out and then goes to a mirror and screams for them to let her out. Something, uh, something whose face is not seen walks to the opposite side. You know, we can only assume it's a zombie or, you know, an observer. I don't know. Hopefully just an observer, right? Uh, she goes over to the door and gets a needle, which she jams to the door code opener and somehow manages to short it. She finds she is in Raccoon City Hospital. The place seems deserted. She walks out into Raccoon City and sees everything's destroyed. Like a, like a riot went through there or something. There's no signs of people or bodies anywhere. It shows a newspaper headlined, The Dead Walk. It is apparent that the T-Virus has escaped from the hive and has now infected the entire city. Then she walks over to an abandoned cop car, steals a pump-action shotgun, and with a final shot, it shows Alice pumping the shotgun, standing in the middle of a deserted street, which pans out, showing a destroyed city. And that's, you know, the end of the movie here. Um, Like I said, I don't want to go too far into how different this movie is compared to you know the video games but that being said this story like i said it can live within the resident evil universe until they made the sequel which like you know they they introduce characters from the video games which they had to go and do and like just ruin it for everybody or at least the fans like me um yeah, looking back, I, I can't help but reminisce. Like, I, I remember enjoying this movie, and then, you know, having thoroughly played the video games, I was like, oh my god, it was nothing like the video games, and I was so disappointed. And then, furthermore, like, once the sequels started coming out, I just watched in terror as, like, my favorite video game franchise became, like, a, a monster in of itself. Oh, boy. It's hard watching the, you know, ones you love just fall apart on you, right? So without, you know, letting more time pass, because I'm sure you all have things to do, you know, more so than just hear me rambling on somewhat drunk and start waxing about how great the video game was, and this was, you know, nothing like it. But uh, we'll start off with the first, you know, bit of trivia here, which uh, I I'm not going to lie, I had no idea it was, you know, a fact, but uh, apparently Milo Jokovic and uh, Paul Anderson are actually married and are still married. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had no idea. I mean, granted, you know, it wasn't until 2009 that they got married, but, like, yeah, I, I think this is uh, kind of a telltale sign since he likes to use her in a lot of his movies. But, you know. <laughs> but on that happy note, um, it says here that during shooting the sewer scenes, uh, Mila Jokovic right-hooked uh, Paul Anderson in the face, giving him a, a big black eye. <laughs> By the end, uh, she hurt about three cast members and crew members uh, of you know in this movie. So she was just going around 
beating people up like for reals. <laughs> but I suppose that's what you get, you know, when you put a Ukrainian in the movie. But uh, you know, nothing but love. And this little bit kind of circumvents the whole thing about what I was talking about, how this video game or it was nothing like the video game because if they went with this title, I think I would have been perfectly okay with it because it would have, again, played into the whole Resident Evil universe and I would have been fine with it. But I guess the original title was Resident Evil colon Ground Zero, as in, you know, this is how the virus kind of starts, how it broke out and stuff. The problem is that they changed the title, you know, to just Resident Evil since, <laughs> uh, you know, September 11th, 2001 was still like fresh in everyone's minds so can't really blame them but yeah that's a kind of a, a tragic um i guess poor timed title right let's see uh, it says the crew had a hard time dealing with the dogs since uh you know they're supposed to be zombified they had to dress them up by like putting on um like meat and like blood on them or you know fake blood but you know dogs being dogs how can you not like you know be hungry and just eat like your makeup and stuff so i guess that kind of worked to a certain degree but at the same time they couldn't keep the makeup on for very long since the dogs are going to be literally eating off of themselves that's kind of a cool thing uh, even though they're everywhere uh, the word zombie is never spoken in the film which i don't think i've ever noticed until you know this very moment which that's pretty cool uh, another fun fact gwyneth paltrow was offered the role of alice Imagine <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow trying to, you know, <laughs> be in the head of this, uh, I think they're up to seven movie franchise. Oh my god, that'd be hilarious. They even mentioned they're supposed to be like a, you know, horror straight from the get-go as um, the scene where Alice wakes up naked in the shower was presumably a leftover, which again, like I said, they cut from the movie, um, where uh, she's supposed to be showering and like stalked and almost raped by a monster <laughs> uh, in particular they're called chimeras which are like a cross between a human and a fly and uh yeah they're totally you know totally not cool man <laughs> all right and we'll leave you with the uh the doozy here um so there's actually been two reported scripts for this movie uh the first one everyone tends to mention is george romero who's, you know, the George Romero, like uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, basically everything of the dead. Like the zombie king himself wrote a script for this movie. But what's lesser known is that uh, Alan McElroy, who, uh, let's see, he's the screenwriter for such action films as Rapid Fire and horror movies like Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers, Wrong Turn, and also kind of wrote on uh, Todd McFarlane's Spawn series. Wrote a script for, you know, this movie. But, like, he was also writing a script for the movie Doom. Uh, but I digress. It says, like, some of the stuff that he had planned for it was uh, very more action-packed, very bloody, very violent, but also very creepy. And the plot was similar to the plot in the original video game, which is following the appearances and strained mutilations of campers and park rangers in Raccoon Forest. A SWAT team is sent in to find out what happened in there, but then they disappeared. So military special forces teamed, which uh, which included all the characters from the games, which is Wesker, uh, sorry, Albert Wesker, Chris Redfield, Jill Valentine, Barry Burton, and Brad... Brad Vickers. Almost lost that one. My bad. As well as the others like Frost and uh, I, <laughs> I can't think of the others in my, uh, at the moment. Um, but they're sent in after them like the, the SWAT team that is. But once they enter the forest during night uh, they're attacked by mutated animals and have to run to the mansion where they discover the underground labs underneath it and end up fighting more monsters. Blah 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 blah. Which uh, the script included all um all the ones from the video like from the original video games so like the hunters like the crows the cerberus um giant spiders all this other cool stuff that like they left out of the game and uh some of elroy's scripts were uh, described in articles including like more action scenes with zombies and zombie dogs uh, during which team members would keep running out of uh out of more and more ammo 
So that's again kind of a theme in the video game. It's considered a survival horror, so you have to juggle like um, keys and all this stuff to you know keep things going, and you know hopefully make your way to the end. Like the uh, also in McElroy's script, the team would be sneaking through an area full of corpses without knowing which ones would be zombies. The team would be cornered between zombies and giant tarantulas right when they ran out of ammo. Uh, the team would get trapped inside service elevators while being surrounded by giant hornets. <laughs> and they again, he mentions here the, the scene where Jill Valentine uh, possibly would have been stalked and almost like raped <laughs> by the monster here. So, yeah, that, that would have been a whole different kind of movie, which, oh my god, I would have loved to see that. I mean, that would have been, like, probably what I was looking for when it came to these movies. But uh, I digress. Uh, we'll finish. Like I said, I know that was the last one, but this part here also kind of helps, I guess, put me at rest. <laughs> but it says that uh, originally Paul Anderson's uh, script here wasn't even written for the Resident Evil film. Um, but for what uh, Anderson himself had said, a terrible ripoff of a video game. <laughs> And with that last happy fact, I'm going to go ahead and let you all go. I want to say thank you all for joining me once more, and hopefully I'll catch you again next week. Until then, bye bye Cue music.